Jesus is greater. If I had to summarise all of the letter of Hebrews into one clear and succinct thought, it would be, Jesus is greater. There are many passages in the Bible which teach us of Jesus' humiliation and humility. And while Hebrews doesn't leave these attributes out, its focus is very much on the greatness and glory of God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ, our Saviour. We get glimpses of this right from the very first verses of chapter 1, when the author writes of Jesus, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Hebrews is all about the greatness and glory of Jesus. Uh, This morning we're going to spend a little time looking at Hebrews as a whole, then dive into chapter 1 specifically. I personally find it helpful to have an understanding of the general themes and overall flow of a letter or book of the Bible before I delve into a particular passage. This can help you understand the text more deeply. I would encourage you to read through Hebrews a few times over this term as we work our way through this wonderfully rich letter. And I'll be honest, Hebrews requires a little bit of mental heavy lifting, but it's well worth the effort. It shines a light directly in the glory and majesty of Jesus. The first thing we're going to note about Hebrews is we don't know who actually wrote it. There are, of course, many theories and ideas, but no one definitively knows. And this stands in stark contrast to all the other books and letters of the New Testament. We've got a pretty good idea who wrote those. So what are we to make of this? I'll suggest the reason that we don't know who wrote Hebrews is because it doesn't matter who physically wrote Hebrews. What we do know is that it is the inspired word of God and it has much to teach us. Not knowing who the earthly author is shouldn't lead us to being being distracted about who actually wrote the letter. Rather, it should free us to focus on the ultimate author of the letter, the author of creation himself, God. So let's look at what God is teaching us through this letter. Based on the content of the letter, it's widely accepted that it was addressed in the first instance to Jews who came to faith in Jesus. The first 10 chapters of the letter systematically go through how much greater Jesus is than many things that Jewish believers would have considered very great indeed. In Hebrews, we see that Jesus is greater than the great heavenly beings, the angels. Jesus is greater than the greatest Old Testament prophet, Moses. Jesus is greater than every other priest. Jesus is the great high priest. And finally, Jesus' sacrifice of himself on the cross is greater than any other sacrifice. Jesus is the greatest and only perfect sacrifice of all time. Jesus is greater, and the author could have finished his letter there. He could have finished with us marvelling at the greatness of Jesus. Fortunately for us, he doesn't leave it there. What comes next in the letter is a glorious therefore. Uh, turn in your Bibles with me to what I think is one of the key verses of the, of the whole letter. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 23. I'll start at verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near for true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. What a glorious therefore. Jesus, the one who is greater, has made us clean by his sacrifice and made a way for us to come near to God. And knowing this to be true, the rest of the letter of Hebrews encourages us to endure in faith to the end. It urges us to cling in faith to Jesus, even in the face of persecution and trials. Hebrews is a great letter which focuses our hearts and minds on the glory and majesty of Jesus. And this morning we're going to spend the rest of our time looking specifically at chapter 1 of Hebrews and how it shows us that Jesus is greater. Uh, This chapter is broken into two key parts. Verses 1 to 4 focuses on the general supremacy of Christ and tells us some of his names and attributes. And the remainder of the chapter deals with the specific application of the principle that Jesus is greater. It shows us how Jesus is greater than the angels. And the second half of chapter 1 also seems to serve as the author's Old Testament proof texts for the description of Jesus we see in verses 1 to 4. Let's read those first four verses again. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. What a build-up those first two verses are in particular. Now, imagine with me that you're a villager in a poor, impoverished land. You have no king, no ruler, no one to protect you, and no one to guide you. You are at the whim of those around you who are stronger. Suddenly, strange men start coming to your village. They're ambassadors, messengers of a king. They tell you that the king they serve is wise, just and merciful. They tell you that the king rules over a glorious and majestic kingdom. And most gloriously of all, the messengers tell you that this king has chosen the villagers of your village to be his people. One day, this king will bring you into his kingdom. Now, the ambassadors keep coming over many years telling you more and more of this king and his kingdom. And many years pass. Then one day, the king's one and only son, the heir of everything his father has, rides into your village. He brings a message directly from the king himself. He brings the message that the time is fulfilled. His father's kingdom is at hand. Now the message the king's son brings is greater than that of ambassadors because the Son is greater than ambassadors. And that is how it is with the Old Testament, with the prophets and even the angels. The message they brought us was good and true, the very words of God himself. But when Jesus burst onto the scene, the one and only Son of God, he brought a message with him. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now God stopped speaking through prophets and started speaking through his son and the message Jesus brought was greater because the son is greater. As we see in verse 2, one of the things that makes Jesus greater than everything else is that he's the son of God. 
in Matthew 3, when Jesus was being baptised, a voice came from heaven and said, This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus is the Son of God. And this is what makes him superior to the angels. Verse 5 quotes the Old Testament when it says, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my Son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Jesus, not the angels, is the Son of God. And that makes him greater than the angels. And in fact, in verse 6, we're told that even the angels are to worship Jesus, the firstborn of the world. The firstborn Son of God, Jesus, has been appointed heir of all things. Jesus is not just any son. He is the firstborn of the world, the one who has inherited all his father has. The one who has inherited his father's throne. Verse 8 says, But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Jesus is the heir of all things. But what does it mean to be the heir of all things? What is Jesus inheriting specifically? Well, the simple answer is, of course, everything. But let's get a little bit more specific, and to be more specific, we need to look at God the Father. And while it's a bit different today, if we went back in time not so long ago, you simply had to look at what the Father did to work out what the Son would inherit. If your father was a farmer, you inherited a farm. If your father was a business owner, you inherited a business. If your father was a knight, you inherited his sword. And what is God the Father? He is the ruler of all things. He is the king. And what does the son of a king get? The kingdom. And how do we know he has inherited the kingdom? Because he sits on the throne. Now when Queen Elizabeth died, what did King Charles get? Well, he surely did inherit a bunch of properties, jewels and horses. But the main thing he got, the thing hundreds of millions of people tuned in to watch around the world was him inheriting the kingdom. And what did he do when he was crowned king? He sat down on the throne. How do we know that Jesus has inherited all things? Because as we see in verse 3, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He has inherited the throne. He has received the scepter and he has sat down on his throne. We see a glimpse of this in Revelation where it is written, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. The Lamb, of course, is Jesus. We see Jesus, the Son of God, on the throne of God, ruling over all things. Not only are we told that Jesus has inherited all things, we are told in verse 2, that it is through Jesus that God created the world. In verses 10 to 12, we read, You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. You are the, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. It is through Jesus that God laid the foundation of the earth from the very beginning. All things that have been created have been created through Jesus. 
He was there right from the beginning of the heavens and the earth. Nothing was here before Jesus, and we are told that his years will have no end. He has been since before the beginning of the world, and he will never end. Jesus is eternal. He is without start and without end. This makes him greater than the angels. As it is written in Colossians, For it was through him that all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. It was through Jesus that even the angels were created. Jesus is greater than the angels, because like everything else, they were created through him. Now the greatness of Jesus is expanded even further when we read verse 3 of Hebrews 1. It says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Not only is Jesus the Son of God, not only is he the heir of all things, and not only is he the one through whom all things were created, we see here that Jesus is God. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of the Father. Jesus upholds the universe by the power of his word. He is in very nature God, the exact imprint, in fact. What does exact imprint mean? Well, it's sort of like when you get a coin and press it into some wax. The image in the wax is the same as the image on the coin itself. There is no distance between God the Father and God the Son. When we see Jesus, we know that we are seeing God himself. We also see this theme picked up in John 1 where it is written, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And a couple of verses later we read, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. What a glorious thing it is that God has made himself known to us at many times and in many ways, and most gloriously, he has made himself known through his Son Jesus when he came to this world. In verse 3 and 4, we see a beautiful mixing of the humility of Jesus and the majesty of Jesus. So verse 3 and 4 says, After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus came to this world to purify us of our sins. How glorious indeed. Jesus, God himself, came to this world. He lived a perfect life without sin. Yet, he was whipped and beaten. He was unjustly hung upon the cross, where he took the punishment for our sins. And he died gruesomely upon that cross. The radiance of the glory of God, the heir of all things, the creator of the world, the son of God, was brutally killed on a cross for us. And at his death, it was like the world, his creation, cried out in horror at what we had done. The earth shook, rocks were split, 
the sun's light failed and darkness fell over the land. We had killed the light of the world. We had killed the radiance of the glory of God. In that moment, the light of the world was snuffed out. Fortunately, Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead and through his death and resurrection, he made purification for sins completely. He then ascended into heaven and having completed his work, he sat down. His work was done, complete. He had made a way for us to come near to God. Through his death, the barrier between us and God has been completely removed. Our hearts have been sprinkled clean of evil and we've been washed with pure water. We are now clean. Jesus, the one who is greater, has made a way for us to be saved. We'll finish this morning with the words of the first verse of chapter 2, which says, Therefore we must pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. We must pay closer attention to what we have heard. I urge you to listen to what God has said through his Son. Read Hebrews, read the Gospels, but also read the Prophets, read the Law, Read the whole counsel of God. Get to know the fullness of Christ. I urge you to gaze upon the glorious face of Jesus, the one who is greater than angels, greater than Moses, greater than every other priest, and greater than any other sacrifice. Let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you that you sent your only Son into this world. Thank you that Jesus is greater. We thank you that through him, a way, to, a way has been made for us to come near to you. Lord, may your words dwell within us and draw us ever closer to you. We pray this through your son's mighty name. Amen.